Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody, the Glitter Boys are in town. How are you this fine afternoon, good sir? If I was any better, they'd have me bronzed and placed in the village square as a warning to children. You know, I wonder if we were to start some kind of a crowdfunding campaign, what tier we would put that as? <laughs> Bronze, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. So either it could be a reward. If you back at this level, we send you a bronze statue of Matthew, or it could be a target. At this level, we get to bronze Matthew. <laughs> like, I, I need to live, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Kickstarter or uh, crowdfunding campaigns, I today have decided that I am having a mid-afternoon whiskey and beer back in celebration because several years ago I published, not published, well, several years ago, I published a game called Moto Bushido, and it was a role-playing game of samurai that ride motorcycles. I've, it's completely unlike anything Palladium mechanics-wise. It's a kind of a fruity granola story game with a lot of death. It's got at least one thing in common with Palladium there, but <laughs> then uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, after that published, I want to say like six or seven years ago it was, I started working on a follow-up, which took the same game mechanics, but instead of groups of samurai who ride motorcycles, it was robot mecha fighter pilots and Gatai transforming Voltron style robots. You know, you, okay. you got the no. tiger, the dinosaur, wait. the wolf and whatever, wait. and then you form the big giant robot in the end. Wait, 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 wait. say that again. Say that again. I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was my love letter to the anime Gunbuster and uh, another one I'm very fond of called Majestic Prince, but you know, you can't go wrong with Voltron and the Power Rangers either. It's just that whole color-coded team uniforms, each one basically telling you not only your position in the team, but a little bit about your psyche kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the red pilot versus the yellow pilot. Whoever wears that red jumpsuit is going to have to fill the role, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And whoever has the, the, the black lion analog is, is definitely moody. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Black's a good one in this one. So uh, it's called Gatai Bushido, and I was supposed to have published it in 2018. But that didn't happen. As Kickstarters go, this one has run several years late, and due to a number of life events, it kept getting pushed out further and further. Well, I finally, today, finalized the text, like the Fuck rules yeah, text, the text to play the game, all of the rules, the colorful text, the sidebars, all of it is currently now uploaded publicly for people to read and provide final pre-editing feedback. So I'm really excited about this. This was nice. something that I actually took the whole week off to work on, and it's only Monday. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so, woo! Uh, same artist as Moto Bushido? You know, yes and no. Initially, it wasn't. Initially, I had contracted with another fella, and he did a lot of good stuff. But mm -hmm. he got more and more hard to get in touch with and kind of flaked out at a lot of our online meetings, like business talk stuff, to the point that I just I didn't hear from him 
for yeah. a long time. Now, you know, there were good reasons for some of that, but for most of it, it was just like flakiness or something. I don't know. So uh, he and I, after he submitted a lot of good stuff, parted ways on okay terms. And then, yes, I recontacted the fellow who did all the art from Moto Bushido and brought him on to fill it out. And Excellent. he's going to be doing the cover as well. Nice. Nice. So if you haven't seen Moto Bushido, I own a <clears throat> signed copy. Uh, you know, I kind of got an in with the author. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's really cool. So you owe it to yourself to check this out. You absolutely do. Yeah, the game, that game, Moto Bushido, was my, what would you get if you took Sons of Anarchy and Seven Samurai and sort of them together? And that's what you got, you know. <laughs> Tokugawa's uh, Shogunate Samurai writing Harley's. <laughs> Boy, I sure can't stand when uh, people don't show up for business uh, meeting events. Yeah, it's pretty uh, incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, how late? How late am I? On this um, one? <laughs> well, yeah. Who's counting? <laughs> yeah, there's a pay no mind to that. We we are adults. You know, we have busy yeah. schedules and I'm still of the opinion that this is a fun project right yeah. now. You and I aren't exchanging money. This isn't business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at some point we might put out like a Patreon or a coffee page or something. I've kind of toyed with the idea, but I want to at least have us out for a year, you know? Yeah. Incidentally, whoever set us, sent us a tip. We, we, we like you very much. Yeah. You're, 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 you're good people. Yeah. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> I would say your name aloud, but it's also your email. And yeah, I just yeah. don't really want to say people's emails online. So uh, thank yeah. you very much. We appreciate it. Also, I want to give thanks to some people online on Twitter. Uh, one, just like a few minutes before we started recording today, somebody posted that they had nominated us in the talk podcast section for a potential any which is oh, the, no uh, you know the role-playing game awards nice i've never personally had much truck with the innies because you know so many of the people that submit to it are self self-submitted like hey you should give me an award kind of submissions but when someone else submits me and the stuff that we do that's fucking rad yeah thank you whoever did that yeah uh that would be who, do, 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 who is it? Um, uh, Clem. Oh, and speaking of Clem, today, Matthew, I want to try something a little bit new. Okay. So I know we've done the character spotlights in the past of characters mm -hmm. from the books or from the, the fiction that has inspired the Palladium role-playing game settings. But you know how you go to a convention or you're at a game store and... You know, that guy, that guy, he comes up and says, let me tell you about my role-playing game character. And then you're like, fuck. Well, here I am for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> right? Well, this is that, but good. Oh, okay. Someone named Clem and actually a couple other people now have started following suit, has been sending characters that they're just rolling up online that are fully statted out, but very interesting. And... I figure it could be fun for us to do a character spotlight wherein we take one of these characters and create a story for them. Okay. Okay. Uh, what do we got here? Let me, <laughs> let me open this up. <laughs> All right. I just shared this with you. 
This is right, here we go. what Clem sent in is a character <laughs> named Whiff from the After the Bomb Palladium role playing game. Oh, this is great. So we have uh, Whiff. He's obviously a, a, a mutant uh, <laughs> because he is a, uh, a frontier muskrat, an anarchist <laughs> frontier muskrat. He does what he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got 40 bucks in his pocket. He weighs 65 pounds. He is a little over two feet tall. <laughs> that's Let's a that's a, a hefty two-footer there. Yeah. He's a chucky boy. <laughs> yeah. He has a badger-looking thing. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really have much in the way of high stats, except he's very charming. He's got a pretty high yeah. mental affinity here of 16. Everything else is average. Although I would say his speed is seven. So yeah, he's a chunky boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He muskrats. He speaks French. <laughs> okay. So we have with the French muskrat. So some interesting skills there. He's, he's apparently a saboteur. Uh, he's got wilderness survival, hunting, tracking, trapping, land navigations, demolitions, Athletics, swimming, detect ambush. Okay, so I'm definitely getting a distinct redneck vibe from this guy. Like, I'm I'm not. I'm getting like a, a French special forces muskrat here. Uh, okay, I guess I just sort of looked at it from the uh, living in the New Orleans Bayou, <laughs> Louisiana Bayou kind of thing. Like, you know, he can hunt, he can trap, he, he survives in the woods, he knows how to live on his own. And like all good rednecks do, occasionally he likes to blow shit up. Yeah. <laughs> what, but, what do they call it? The 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 COS special is the special forces for the French. I don't what the French Legion. I don't. I don't know. I don't actually. It's, know. No, it's 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 uh, gendarmerie. Uh, they, they, sure, pikemen. They have pikemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I don't think this is a pikeman though. Okay. <laughs> He's got a knife. I mean, you could attach that knife to a stick, I guess. <laughs> he he is a sniper. He has a, uh, he's got a bolt action rifle, which I, I assume, you know, if he had a shotgun, I would say, you know, I'm completely wrong and you're right. He is, he is a, a yeah. swamp people. <laughs> but I mean, bolt action rifle, he just goes forth and, you know, he likes to go ratting every now and then. <laughs> Shoot some womp rats out in the red, you know, <laughs> Beggar's Canyon. Does that count as a cousin if you're a muskrat? <laughs> <laughs> but the French thing is is very interesting, which, you know, of course, I'm sitting here looking at this coming from the perspective of being a resident of North America, but this could be France. Yeah. I don't really know all that much about After the Bomb. If I understand it was what replaced Ninja Turtles after that license got terminated. I could totally see a French mutant muskrat in Ninja Turtles, like with a really bad accent. My it's name is Beef. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's a Pepe Le Pew thing. I mean, with the muskrat, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. But, yep. But Didn't. without the, the rest of Pepe Le Pew. Uh, that's, um, oh, you're right. He's got bad musk. So this, yeah. if you are unfamiliar with After the Bomb, like the Ninja Turtles game, it is as you build mutant animal characters and they have a thing called bio E or biological energy that you use to buy your character's abilities. And we can see what was spent here. This looks like it was 60 
base, but he got a five point bonus from uh, taking some flaws. So, you know, you can you can play a character that is like a muskrat on the ground for all intents and purposes, looks like one, but it's intelligent anywhere. And you can change your size. You can change uh, the way you're you stand. Uh, if you look human like or you look more like an animal, your hands, your speech, etc. So he mm-hmm. went whole nine yards, at least on hand speech and stance. He's just a humanoid with a muskrat head. Yeah. But he's a very small bad. human aid. Yeah. Uh, he can see in the dark. Uh, he can hear better, hold its breath, has decent brute strength, and has sonar? Sonar. Yeah, sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm getting more of a hunter vibe. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and and he stinks to high hell <laughs> um, and is nocturnal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Night hunter. So, so okay. So a story for this, for this, uh, for Whiff here. I've got an idea. Okay. We'll start with he was once some kind of a uh, a sapper or a uh, uh, you know a, a sniper or something, some kind of a military. He was commander. He was an he was an engineer. Yeah. Uh, general repair, carpentry, demolitions, land navigation. Yeah, yeah. He was he was he was an engineer. Sapper type. Yeah. I think then he retired or went AWOL or some way left the military and is now uh, in his years, hence his slowness. Actually, physical stats really aren't all that good across the board. So he's he's in his years at this point and he's retired to the bayou where where he's like (laughs) this this weird old redneck or something. And I think the heroes have to encounter him. So here's the thing as, as an old muskrat sapper who has taken a long retirement in the bayou, his entire environment is rigged. Like we're talking mega bad nom here uh, because you know, it's underwater rigged. There are floating mines. There are, there are trip wires. There are trees rigged to fall. Uh, the, 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 the snap down limbs with spikes in them from Conan that impale people. There's lots of stuff like that. Oh Yeah. This guy's going to be difficult to sneak up on. So I think he's going to be in a situation where if we're going to use this guy as an NPC, we want to make him, what's the word I'm looking for? We want to make his loyalties uncertain at the beginning. So he's he could go either way. This could be somebody that they piss off. Or if they play their cards right, he might become a good resource. No, I got it. He has information on something from his old military uh, background that the party needs. So they they go looking for him, as most parties do. They just kind of wander in looking for him. Hey! <laughs> and all of a sudden, they start taking damage, right? So they start seeing him as an enemy. Now, he's not necessarily an enemy. He just wants to be left the fuck alone. Get off my um, land! <laughs> yeah, he he loves his swamp. He is a muskrat. This is where Get he lives. Get off my land! <laughs> Wait, what was it? Uh, was it? Was it Futurama? Get out of my swamp, you crazy kids! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could totally see this. It, it it reminds me now that we're talking about this whole French thing. Uh, there was this meme going around. Uh, I want to say it was during Katrina, but it might have been newer than that. When there was some natural disaster, and there were a bunch of people looting, and then somebody posted this uh, picture that said "Lotters will be shot." <laughs> <laughs> 
And with then, all the hillbillies in front of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was this, <laughs> I love that one. It was just like hand painted, otters yeah. will be shut. And then somebody responded to it with a picture of an otter wearing a French hat saying, otters are not afraid. <laughs> that is honestly on my top three of, of memes. Like when, when I'm introducing myself to people and we're trading memes, that's, you know, that's how I can tell if they're my people or not. It's a good one. Yeah. That and the German Shepherd one, not to get too sidetracked. Have you seen that one? Which one? Get back. I have a German Shepherd. This guy's getting robbed at gunpoint. He's like, I ain't scared of no dog. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a shepherd, like with a crook, comes leaping over, <laughs> screaming in German with his attack sheep. <laughs> That's and good. he's screaming in German, no mercy, my children. <laughs> yeah. I'm really fond of the the angry white woman yelling at the confused cat. I just yes. love that one. <laughs> <laughs> she just looks like such a Karen. <laughs> so we've got with the old special forces recluse uh, who has taken up living in the bayou. I, I, I like that. And, and he's, it's, everything's trapped all to hell. And he's not bad. He just wants to be left alone. I like that he has sonar and he's a good swimmer. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is just perfect. Like he's just gonna be kinda like Arnie was in Predator, just kind of swimming around. Occasionally his little head pops up and he's got a knife in his teeth and he drops back down and swims <laughs> over. <laughs> a lot of ass, I'm not afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this guy's good with the muskrat. Yep. Yeah. Now I can't promise we're gonna do this for everyone that comes our way, but Send us an interesting character. We, we 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 might talk about it. Yeah, you know, if all we get is just a a slew of juicers and combat borgs, eh, but if they're interesting, then hey, cool, yeah. Because Palladium lets you make some interesting characters. You yeah. don't have to devote your entire skill selection options to making a total badass. Secondary skills, I think are more fun when they're used to diversify what your character can do. Like, you know, you may be trained as a special forces guy, but this guy, you know, probably also learned to cook on his own. Who knows? He might even be a good cook. Maybe he's that weird old chef <laughs> at the, the local <laughs> truck stop. <laughs> yeah. You know? I like that he also knows sign and sewing. Yeah, I think domestic skills are the fun ones that you can use to yeah. really diversify a character. Well, that's all I have for, for Whiff here. He's got 40 bucks in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not the kind of person that you're going to beat up for money. Yeah. Yeah, this is a cool dude. Thanks. Thanks for sending him to us there, Clem. Uh, much appreciated. This was pretty fun. Keep them coming, folks. Make them, yeah. make them interesting. Yeah. Th th think of the weird corners. I'm more prone to vagabonds or pacifist glitter boys or, you know, just, just weird things. You know, scrupulous necromancers, stuff like that. It reminds me, I don't know if any of you have watched an anime called One Punch Man. And in One Punch Man, that I think it's the first or second episode of season two, there's this character. Uh, the whole episode is about how this character uh, is. He is like the greatest of the greatest of the greatest of the top ranked heroes. And, you know, all the other characters want to be him. However, he's 
he sucks. He he has no, he has no superpowers whatsoever. <laughs> He's just some like porn loving hentai masturbation dude who just happens to be built or have really cool hair. The only reason people think he's a hero is that he has super strange luck and bad guys tend to just happen to accidentally die around him. <laughs> That's handy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like that that is an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, The Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. You know, we normally go for a little bit longer than this on an episode. So we can keep it short. I was just going to say, I just watched the live action of Cowboy Bebop. Have you seen it yet? How many have you watched? I'm like six, seven episodes in. I watched part of the first one. Okay. Yeah. And I watched like clips of the later stuff just to kind of be like, should I, should, should I, it hasn't bought me yet. I, I really liked it. Um, it's, it's close, but it's not the same. Yeah. I, I think that the vicious character is great. I, I, I really like it. It's a lot of fun for me. You know, I'm, I've got this love hate relationship with remakes. I don't like them for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, actually, you know what? Let me take that back. I have a hate-hate relationship with remakes. I just generally don't like them. Like, I don't like the idea of, like, remaking something. Now, translating something? You know what? I'm, I'm more okay with that. Like, okay, imagine, right? Imagine if somebody came and took your favorite book and said, I'm just going to rewrite it. <clears throat> Christopher Token, Brian Herbert. Yeah. No, they, they just took the core <laughs> book. They didn't write sequels or prequels. They took the core book and they didn't say, I'm going to make a show out of this. They didn't say, I'm going to make a movie out of this. They said, I'm just going to rewrite this book. I think I can do it better. Fuck you. Like, what? No, no. The whole reason, the whole reason that book is good is because you didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) It's because somewhat better than you wrote it. And the whole, I'm going to take something and make it better. Like, Okay, but what about in a situation where the story is unfinished? If the story is unfinished, then pick it up and carry it forward. But don't, like, start it over from the beginning, you know? We don't need to see Batman's origin story 18 times.
Uh, and yet we've seen Batman's origin story. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you didn't like the new Dune? I fucking love the new Dune, but the new Dune is a translation of from one format to another. I have loved all of them. I love the sci-fi show. What versions as weird as they were. I liked the fucking strange ass David Lynch one. I'm sorry. That's still my favorite. The Alan Smithy one. If I remember correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was waiting for the tripods during all of that. There was a lot of, you know, the sound was both good and off. Like, so dear listeners, uh, we're probably going to have some spoilers here for the Dune movie. So if this is a movie that you haven't seen and uh, you don't want to be spoiled, just skip to the end. Yeah, it's it's still in theaters now. So this is a legitimate warning. We're, we're going to talk about it here. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with the thing, with one of the things I think they got really, really right. And that was Duke Leto. Duke Leto and, yeah. and the entire, like I preferred the David Lynch actor because I really like that actor. William Hurt? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, that's not William Hurt in, in the David Hurt, Lynch version. Who? No, it's the, the guy from Das Boot. Like old, old school. Leto? I wasn't yeah. Leto. Oh, okay. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Maybe I'm thinking of the show. But he looked Greek. And the Atreides are supposed to be descended from ancient times of the house of Atreus. You know? And, I mean, the guy, the guy looked Greek. Also, I like the fact that uh, Paul was young. I didn't like how skinny he was. He was supposed to be water fat. They brought that up a lot in the book that, oh, you are fat with water. And they, they, this was a real skinny kid. Like Kyle McLaughlin, chubby face. Yeah. This yeah. kid, all angles and long chin. But I will agree. Leto was perfect. Uh, it, I, it took me a look through IMDb to realize that that was one of the guys from the new Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I did not like their version of Jessica. The Lady Jessica. Jessica is strong. And this Jessica spent a lot of time weeping and shaking and whinging on. Like, Jessica is supposed to be like this this tough-minded rebel who just fell in love with the Duke. Like, not this scared, out-of-control, not-a-master-of-her-own-environment like this, this movie brought forth. And I, I didn't like that at all. I... I actually liked the character, but I see what you're saying. I, I liked the way she did it. It wasn't the same as the character from the book, but I think it was still a good character. And I like, I wish that they had showcased her true badassness earlier in the film, like towards the end when she, I think she fights like later or something. Just for a second. Just for yeah. a second. You're like, oh, that's right. She's a badass. They, yeah. they didn't quite do a good job, do enough of a good job of hinting at it early on. So I, I both really liked it, but I also agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And it also tied into that, that tie, what do you say ties into something that I was having a discussion with someone else about of how female heroes fall down a lot or they stop and cry a lot in movies and in, in shows. No, no, no. It wasn't a conversation I was having. I was watching that um, movies that made us, and it was the mm. one about Alien. I need to see that, yeah. 
It's, it's really good. It was the one on yeah, Aliens. Yeah, Ripley doesn't stop and fucking cry. <laughs> Never once. She doesn't stop and cry. She doesn't stumble as she's running away. It, mm. it. She she was a capable person who was also a woman. And yeah. the whole stop and cry thing is typically only given to female characters. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica was portrayed as a little bit more feminine. A, a lot weaker. Yeah. Jessica, Jessica was portrayed as a lot weaker than any, any other. And I, I didn't care for that. Um, I also didn't care for the uh, 21st century idiom, which has apparently survived into the 10th, the, you know. Such as? I'm good with dat. From you Lido know, to Duncan to you know, Paul, everyone's good with dat. Here's the thing. I I both, it was both great on me. I was like, but, but at the same time, it's not... Like the Lynch movies, where they basically just take all the words from the book and put it into voiceover. And this, they had to basically demonstrate certain aspects of characters. Duncan was a little, a little too urban, I, I think. You know. I love the character of Duncan, and he's so important in the later books. Um, and I just, and I, I, I love, I love that actor. How many times but does I just, Duncan die? <laughs> Millions, <laughs> thousands. I, I I did not like that Duncan either, and I thought he stayed alive way too long. Um, I kept going. Uh, you're supposed to die. You're supposed to die back yeah. at the palace. What are you doing? But I was I was as I was getting madder and madder. He did eventually die, and I'm like, oh, thank God, they can continue the story right now. All right, I want to talk about some things that I loved. Yeah, ornithopters. I was just about to fucking say that. The ornithopters, yeah. were, those were amazing. They, yeah. just the whole, the, 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 yes. That is, now, for those of you who aren't aware um, and aren't like neck deep in geek culture, ornithopters began, I want to say, with uh, John Carter of Mars. That's the first ornithopters. Uh, the, 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 the fly flappies. Well, I know Basically. they're they're in the books. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I I believe it was the, oh, the Mars oh, oh, series oh, by Burroughs. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, um, could be. Where, I, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a Barsoom thing. Um, but uh, Dune has them as well, and the first movie edition of Dune did not do it well. They had flying triangular. Bricks. Oh, just the boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom, boom. Wait, come on, <laughs> come on, no. Okay, something else I loved. I loved Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron Harkonnen. I thought he did great, too. He, I loved his take on that character. Because until this point, both in the book and in all the translations, all Gross. we've seen is, I'm the Baron Harkonnen. And this guy's just like, I will kill you all. Yeah, I mean, he still had the things that were wrong with the Baron, like uh, the debilitating disease uh, that made him, that wasted his body and made him huge. Yeah. To the point where he couldn't walk. But when he but rose it didn't, up. it didn't affect his mind. Yeah. When he rose up above the people in that scene where he just starts hovering above them, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. He he plays the intimidation factor so well. And Stellan Skarsgård, like, I don't think they could have gotten anybody better. No, no. The Baron, the Baron was good. Though I do want to have a word with whoever did the audio mixing 
because throughout a lot of this movie, it was hard to hear over the bombs. Yeah. And the, and just the soundtrack, like you, you lost a lot of, of the dialogue and there wasn't that much to begin with. This was a problem that you and everyone else I've talked to has had. Even the people who've given it nothing but stellar praise. It, I watched it at home on opening night on HBO in glorious 4K on my OLED television where I could pause it and take frequent bathroom breaks. And <laughs> I watched it on a fantastic stereo system. And it sound we had to like frequently rewind to try and rehear what someone said. And finally, we just turned the subtitles on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was bad. There needs to be a recut of this where it's, it's just turned down. Yeah. I mean, um, what else did I like? I was sad there was no uh, steamy fade. We need a steamy fade in uh, ah, winged, a lot winged of talk trunks. About that. Yeah, um, because a lot of people are, are thinking that he might be cut, or the other option would be that since fade doesn't actually play any kind of an important role in the first half of the book, like he just sort of poses sexily and then shows up at the end to fight Paul. Well, not 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 in the book in in the first movie yes in the book fate is actually quite important uh raban is there's a lot of back and forth with the baron about grooming fade to uh take over from raban yeah. they're supposed to hate raban that's why he's squeezing and then they're supposed to love fade as their savior so i'm curious so they're, they're, what they're yeah. going to do with that um i liked that they took the time that it was a long movie for a long book um, I, th- that I liked, I just, man, it, it did not hit me. I'm going to watch it again. I'm probably going to watch it again a few times and try and try and find that love because Dune is, Dune is in my top three of all time. It's, it's one of my favorite books. I love the books and the original Lynch movie so much. I have quotes from them tattooed onto my flesh. What'd you think of the box? The box, the box, the box. Oh, I thought that was an interesting scene. Yeah. I also really liked that they went a different route with the portrayal of the Benny Gesserit character. I, I like that uh, she she just looked different. She They made her different looking than the one from the Lynch movie that people have seen as the gold standard. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Okay, here, here's what I liked and here's what I didn't like about the Reverend Mother Helen Gaius Mohiem. I did not like that she didn't speak with Jessica. Now that was that was a writing thing. Uh that that was that was a choice they made in script. That's that's not the actor's fault. What I loved about the actor, the actress, excuse me, was that she she was so calm like the 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 benny jesuit are supposed to have absolute mastery of emotion that, that that's one of their things yep um and i got that from her there was no anger like everything was deadpan she was she was flat the entire time just observing and while that is less impressive on the screen that is terrifyingly accurate to what they're supposed to be and i really liked that actress's portrayal of that yeah, she was good. I'm. I wished that Thufir Hawat played a larger role. You barely see him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Gurney was kind of a goofball. Didn't like him. 
There, I, there's he's supposed to be a, a fighting man, and there was supposed to be a pug, and long live Duke Leto. I, mean, <laughs> I, I I'll be honest, I don't even remember him in the movie. He was unmemorable. Yeah. Um, like Gurney is is a big part of the story. He's, He's supposed to be Patrick Goddamn Stewart. Of the, yeah, <laughs> I, in, in, in a skullet. I mean, Gurney Gurney's a big fucking deal. He's he's a, a singing troubadour, fighting man. He is a an old school drinker and wencher and killer. He is an amazing character, and they didn't do a damn thing with him. Yeah, but but they did a good job of portraying what happens when the hero first arrives at a new location in an RPG. Do you go talk to the king or to the, yeah. Do you go talk to the Duke? No. Do you go talk to your mother? No. You go talk to the guy watering the goddamn trees. (laughs) That's the first person you talk to. (laughs) You know, I honestly like that they did include that though. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cause I, that, that was a pivotal moment uh, for, for the Atreides there is that, uh, you know, there, there are uh, 100 of us uh, with the trees in their water. So I, 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 I thought they included a lot of things that I really liked, but they just gave huge skips over things that I thought were important. Like the box was underplayed. Uh, the test was kind of underplayed of Paul. Um, the betrayal of Yui was undertrayed, was, was underplayed. Yeah, they um, yeah. There was no sympathy built for Yui, and Yui is a very sympathetic character. You, yeah, you, you get no feeling of who he is or why his betrayal is so fascinating. And what bothers yeah. me is that they they had the goddamn time. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and now something good because you know there was good. I loved their sandworms. Their sandworms were badass. Yeah the the sand filtering um, hairs. Mm. <sighs> The cilia, the giant yeah. cilia. Let me tell you something. Watching that 4K on an OLED television. <laughs> oh, terrifying. They didn't give a good sense of size, though. They should have pulled back. Like when that first uh, when that first harvester gets chomped. They really should have pulled back for that one. Because that was something you got from the, from the other one. Was they established the huge size of the machine. And then... Then they sh- then they pull back and you see it just engulfed by you this know, huge maw. I actually it, like that they didn't show any real component of the worm until that one scene later when it rears out, because it created this unseen threat. You see what it can do, and you see evidence of its destruction, but you don't see it yet. And oftentimes, revealing the monster too early, I think does take away from its worth in a story like seeing that sand or seeing that spice harvester just descend into the the just the slightest shape of a giant maw lets you know that there's something terrifying there and your mind your imagination gets to fill in the rest yeah Okay, it, just, it, it stung a little. It, it stung a little bit. Okay, I, I, I'm inculcated to the Lynch version, and I'm sorry we're running way long now, yeah. and this is my fault. You know, Cowboy what? Bebop. What the Sardaukar? I thought were fantastic, <laughs> and I loved that that strange Tuvan style uh, mm-hmm. throat chant that was going on. Yeah, yeah, but I did not like the the inline pike fighting thing that they did. 
What do you mean? Th- th- that was very that was very samurai movie. I you know that I, bothered I, me. I appreciated it. I liked that they gave everything its own culture, and in the spots where the original book didn't have much to detail about the culture, like you you don't know shit about the Sardaukar in the first book. All you know is that they're unstoppable and they belong to the emperor. That's it. They're just as trained troops. So giving them some more personality, I thought, made them more fearsome. It is really cool, though, to see all of those fights where nobody's shooting guns. Yeah. I love it. Because, like, in the future, guns are pointless. <laughs> you have to get out there you know and what? stab your bad guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry. I need to talk about the shields since since we're talking about guns. Um, the The penetrators for the shields were not consistent, and that bothered me. They weren't. They really weren't. It bothered me a yeah. lot. The slow blade, the fast blade, I, the, the, it, it, was, it was literally, literally plot armor. Yeah. The, <laughs> it really bothered me. When Duncan was fighting them at the end. Yeah, the and they're stabbing stand, full speed. Through. I was just like, no. Uh-uh. That's no, not how that works. No. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. Dune is a great story. And Fantastic. it's a lot deeper than people who've only watched the first movie or only read the first book understand. There's layers upon layers happening here. And I actually, at this point, we're 40 minutes in. I don't want to go too deep into talking more about Dune. But it creates a lot of imagination in its fans. A, a lot of you know thought of potential. Like everybody's got their own vision of what's happening. Because Herbert is really good about talking about people's thoughts and intentions. There's a lot of internal dialogue, a lot of internal monologue, but there's not that much actual visual description of things that are happening. It The books just kind of move right through that stuff and get to the politics. So everybody's got their own mental image of how it's going to look. And I like so far that we now have three visual incarnations of this. Four visual incarnations of this. What's the fourth? The fourth is the only Jodorowsky. really bits of it pieces yeah. surviving from Jodorowsky's version. Yeah. And I that was fucking that. whack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. This is my fault. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still say this, though, and the, you can use this as the title. There was no goddamn pug. Yeah. But if you want to see a pug, go watch The Mitchells versus The Machines. It's a fantastic movie. It's it's one of the best things I think I've seen all year. It's surprisingly amazing. And there's a pug in it. And the pug is actually the first ever animated dog voiced by a real life dog who was Doug the Pug, famous internet celebrity pug. <laughs> nice. It's great. It's great. Okay. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it's got robots. And it's, it's funny. So uh, anyway. Uh, so that this was about so, a muskrat. That was right? muskrat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Whiff. Whiff's story. Apparently, he went out and harvested some spice and came back, and that's why he's so bitter. <laughs> that works. 